everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hope Lafferty's Existential Crisis, the podcast for creativity and other phenomena. For the podcast for the podcast of, you know, I spent about a half an hour trying to figure out whether it was the podcast for the podcast of creativity. Anyway, uh, I'm Hope Lafferty. This is the level of rigor. This is the level of semantic battle I'm anticipating by this podcast. So I'm having an episode, and what I like to do at the beginning of the episodes is to start with a recording, start with a piece of writing by yours truly, and let's transition to it right now. This is what I like to call terracotta. Let's listen. Wouldn't it be great to live back in the 13th or 14th century, Joe greeted me with at Qigong class tonight. I don't know. I think the plumbing situation was a little rough back then. The year, 2078. The time zone, Galapagos. Gone are the rough and ready, low-flow toilets of the early 21st century. No, we've all progressed to toilet freeze dryers, since water is such a prized commodity in Western states. Oh, sure, they still got them toilet things up in New York City, where most of the building infrastructure is so old, some places are still without basic cable, let alone the old-timey DSL clunk fest, later replaced by wireless, wireless, wireless. Now out here on the desert, after all the mums have sucked dry the water table, yet still remain priorities over sewage treatment plants, the folks at NASA decided to declassify some of their latest technologies, and the biohazard port-a-freeze dryer was one of them. Oh, I know. The Air Rugby moms don't like it when us old-timers call them biohazard freeze dryers. They just like to call them dryers, because it's much more polite conversation over the dinner table while you're cleaning out your Remington. Have you seen the new blown glass dryers that Kohler put out? No. Well, turn on the Kohler channel and you can view them right now. The nice thing about the freeze dryers is that it takes the smell out of waste production and a lot of the gymnastics. I hear back in the early part of the century, folks used to get up from what they were doing and go into a separate room of the house to urinate and defecate and that the women folk actually had to squat down 95% of the time. Wow, I mean, how barbaric was that? These were industrialized nations, and they still demanded discretion, partial nudity, and physical exertion for what really is one of the most basic human functions. Granted, it's a little more inconveniencing than salivating, but with the freeze dryers, you just get the urge, reach over the arm of the couch, attach it to your pant leg, you do know we're all going commando these days, and then press the conversion button, which produces a joint suction vacuum and adds the perfectly mixed biological agents to turn your excretions into any series of biodegradable components or building supplies, depending on your needs. Now granted, it took a while, but a buddy of mine in Meso was able to reconstitute his bodily fluids into gorgeous terracotta bricks. His wife created the mortar from her loins, and now they've got this great mission-style adobe deal with a huge deck and all the mums they could want. And no plumbing problems. The water bill to maintain the mums can still fund the reconstruction of Afghanistan, which is still ongoing, by the way, but hell, they got a house out of it. Boy, that really uh, puts a new spin on the idea that Adobe is political, doesn't it now? 
Oh, boy. All right. So uh, the reason why I introduced those ideas is I said that this was a podcast for creativity. And this is the creativity portion where we talk about free writing. And free writing is, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is something that some of us writers do uh, to get the brain going, to get to get our hand going, to get some concepts going. And at the beginning of each program... I introduce a free write, a recorded free write. These are all first first thoughts. This is the stuff that comes out of my brain when I sit down with a pen and paper. And yes, I still sit down with a pen and paper because that's how I can free write. If I'm writing something else, for example, if I'm working on a play, uh, working on a screenplay, working on uh, an essay, um, or working on other things that I get paid for, like grants and things like that, I don't write those things out longhand and then transcribe it because... This is the 21st century, after all, and uh, you know, as terrible a typist as I am, uh, it's still a lot easier for me to sit at a computer to produce those types of things. But when I really want to tap into my right brain, it helps me to do something very kinesthetic. I, uh, I'm a kinesthetic learner. Some of you might uh, be able to understand what that means. That means you have to move around in order for things to sink in. Uh, usually, uh, I fall, and that's how I learn, um, kind of like a toddler walking I uh, usually fall into things, but that's probably for another another podcast episode, uh, not today's. But so I'm thinking about this this free write that I wrote when I lived in Austin. And for those of you who know me, uh, you know that I haven't lived in Austin in probably a couple of decades now. Uh, and I think I was warm that day. I think I think that's what that's what really kind of like propelled me to come up with this this idea. Um, but for those of you that are interested in in pursuing your own your own creative outlet, I encourage you to free write. If you're a really good typist, which I am not, um, feel free to uh, sit at your computer and do this. But if you're if you just want things to get out faster, if you don't want to worry about misspelling something and trying to figure out what you meant by how you typed it, um, I would suggest trying a free write. So what you do is you is you set a timer for 10 minutes, let's say, 10 minutes, and you just keep writing. You keep typing, you keep writing, you don't stop, you don't edit, you keep thinking about new ideas. And if you can't come up with a new idea, you don't set the pen down, you don't back away from the computer and quit. You say, I don't know what I want to write about. I don't know what I want to write about. I really don't want to write about this. And you keep kind of going until you come up with a new idea. And then to really shift your brain, you can write something like what I really want to say is and then go from there. Because usually when we have a block like that, we're avoiding writing something. It's a lot like it's a lot like being in conversation with people. <laughs> Sometimes we we self-edit and uh, and writers are notorious for self-editing too. And I come from the school of thought that that you should free write, write free first, and then go back and edit the stuff. Kill your darlings later. Exalt them to begin with. So that is where we are with this week's free write. Again, Adobe is political. That's one of the ideas that we have out on the border. But I think uh, I think we can we can talk more about this as we close this episode. music tells me that we're in part two of this week's episode. That's right. This segment is This Week in Existence. 
This is the uh, phenomenon section of our podcast. Creativity is jettisoned now. We're talking about this week in existence. So I'm on some email lists, some mailing lists. You might be too. I am, some of them I, I'm not so keen on being on, but I'm a really proud patron of the She Writes community. And since we just were talking about writing, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, it's SheWrites.com, uh, S-H-E-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. Uh, it's for writers, as one could imagine, those that uh, self-identify as female in whatever way we do. Uh, and they have a really robust online community. It's been around for about nine years. And I mean, I've just learned a lot. Just they've got a lot of great blogs. They've got a lot of great, great programs, uh, trainings for all sorts of genres. Whatever you write, you can learn about about uh, how to do it better, how to sell what you're trying to write, and also uh, just meet other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing. But the other day, I received this missive about uh, this author whose name is Lauren Groff. Some of you might know this story, uh, but Lauren, she's an author. She's written a few short story collections, and she's got a couple of novels out there, I think three novels out there, and she's been getting some press. We like her. She's part of the She Writes community. We like to know these folks. And Ms. Groff was, was posed with the following question in a recent interview. Can you talk about your process and how you manage work and family? Her reply was, I understand that this is a question of vital importance to many people, particularly to other mothers who are artists trying to get their work done, and know that I feel for everyone in the struggle. But until I see a male writer asked this question, I'm going to respectively, respectfully decline to answer it. Well, the media blew up. And honestly, I was kind of happy about this response and what she said, but honestly, after my... After my Rosie the Riveter spirit animal kind of piped down, my first thought was, okay, so, you know, this mother is being asked, you know, how she balances things. And I'm thinking, well, what is my excuse? As a woman without kids, and one who's been walking the earth longer than Lauren, Ms. Groff has, I mean, isn't the next interview question, well, so hope, so what took you so long? Like, so why are we just now hearing about your creative work? And I once heard this morning programmer on NPR, in uh, the NPR station in Austin, Austin, Texas. And he was quite the tastemaker in his day, okay? And he made a comment to this indie musician with whom I was very familiar. I mean, I had all of this guy's records, right? And, uh, and the programmer says to him, well, where have you been? Like he was left out of the joke or something. And the musician was kind of stymied. It's like, where have I been? And he didn't say this, okay? But I'm knowing the people that I know that are troubadours out there on the indie slash no pay slash trying to make something work on the road musician market. Where have you been? I've been pounding the pavement. I've been working the road. I've been sending you every single friggin' record and you just now are showing interest? And again, he didn't say these things. And most skilled road musicians know that folks are not meaning to insult them <laughs> upon their discovery. It's like, and this guy was kind of a tastemaker and he's on this really well-respected program in a growing, burgeoning, large market. Um, but 
it was it was an obvious uncomfortable moment for this for this person and I I really remember like feeling insulted for this man but that's like the next question like for all accounts if I think back if I think about like what Lauren Groff was saying it's like I'm not balancing work and family you know you know it I know it and the question continues like where have you been hiding right like why have you been hiding and the kicker is, well, you don't have kids. Just how lazy are you? And therein, cats and kittens, lies my existential crisis. You know, I have no excuse. <laughs> I have no fallback. I'm, I'm actually jealous of moms because at least they have a product, right? They have something to show work. I don't, you know, frankly, I don't even have much of a bank account. <laughs> how do you manage work and family? Well, let's answer that question first. Well, define work, right? Well, define family. Is work the work, capital W, work? Raison d'etre, passion-driven, creativity harnessed into saleable chunks? Stamped with approval by the masses, work? Or is, is work building a business? right? One that might or might not be one's dream job but keeps the lights on and is a good gig that allows me to develop my skills and sleep at night? Well, I'm a lifelong insomniac, so perhaps maybe I'm not really sleeping at night. But, you know, under what's under that question? How do you manage work and family? How do you manage to work? How do you manage to work at all, right? I mean, how do any of us manage to work at all? I mean, that's the real question. How do we manage to work? And I like my work. And this is, this is like this great line. This reminds me of this great line from... Uh, from this, this piece called We, we Can't All Be Heroes. Uh, it's my favorite track from this underappreciated rap artist called Wax, W-A-X, Wax. Um, and the line goes, it's hard enough not to crack under the pressure of average expectations. So, so why wouldn't I hide, right? Why wouldn't I take the easy path, the easy path, building a business? You know, it's kind of a relative term, but... I don't know, build a business where I can prove my worth. I do work that people want and do work that people like. Do work where people can like me. I mean, why wouldn't I postpone risking putting myself out there, putting my artistic, creative, oddball, iconoclastic self out there? Because, you know, hell, who knows? (laughs) I can't guarantee that anybody will like what I do if I do that. I mean, I know I can get people to like me if I take this job, right? If I do this type of work, you know, work that is related to my creative field, right? In my case, it's writing and editing. And this type of work is measurable, it's billable. But still, I continually ask myself, why am I not further along? You know, why do I not feel successful or feel like I'm living my dharma? Or as successful as boy, as society expects me to be, I mean, no kids, I mean, very little in retirement, lots of good feelings, lots of connections on LinkedIn, but there's really, you know, no, there's no proof. I mean, there's the art space that I have been denying. You know, why wouldn't I deny that? Why wouldn't I delay, you know, kind of wait till I'm ready? Wait till I'm perfect. Wait till I'm strong enough to take your judgment your critique, your questions. How, how do you manage 
work and family? Well, how do you manage to get out of bed in the morning? Oh, there's my producer again telling me it's time. It's time to put this episode to bed. You know, I want to thank him. That's Andy Schneider, producer, engineer, master builder, and founder of the Marfa Channel right here at Alamito. And of course, I want to thank you, my tribe, my people, my... my... I want to hear from you. I want to, you know, tweet me. Tweet me at the Hope Crisis. And weigh in on whether you think it's of or for. You know, are we of or for... Tell me if you think Adobe is political. Tell me if you get out of bed in the morning or if it's easier, it's harder. You go to a day job and you're still trying to chip away or you're successful at everything you do, everything you touch, Midas. I really want to know you if that's the case. But before I go today, I want to leave you with a closing mantra, as is my tradition. This week, I want you to think about how you manage to get out of bed in the morning. And remember, if all else fails... You can always make something beautiful. Even if it's just adobe bricks made out of your poo. Look after yourselves, people. <laughs> <laughs>